I love that song. Freddie's voice in that song, so good, right? Some on the front row were rather excited about that. He's a handsome fella. Yeah. Oh, no, okay, all right, hey, just never know. Always trying to help out if I can. Hey, it's Sunday. Um, I don't know about, about you guys. Um, uh, do you ever get, like, angry about bad weather in California, Freddie? Yeah. I do. Uh, I do. I grew up in Florida, and, you know, it rained every day in Florida, but here, I don't expect that stuff, <laughs> right? So sometimes it can be a little, you know, I mean, I don't know, the energy's not good because the weather's a little bad outside. Can we agree that that's not going to happen today? In fact, stand up for a second. Stand on up. Find, don't go anywhere, but right in your seat, turn around, give like two high fives and one fist bump. Two high fives, one fist bump, get excited, shake off the bad weather. All right, that's enough. That's just two high fives, one fist bump. That's what I, you guys got to follow better direction here. It's kind of like two Hail Marys and one Har Father. That's my version of it. Two high fives, one fist bump, that's it. Have a seat. I'm Rob Cosberg, good to see you. I'm one of the small group leaders here, and if you're visiting, you're thinking, oh, I can see why he leads just a small group. <laughs> Again, my wife is not here today. I promise we're doing well. Again, as much as I can tell, I believe we're doing well. She's actually on a retreat with some of the girls from church, which is cool, but, and last time I spoke, which was Easter, uh, she had friends out at the other service. And, uh, you know, she's still alive and doing great and all that. I'm not hiding her or anything like that, so uh, I shouldn't say things like that. Um, over your Bibles with me to John chapter 9. We'll start there in, uh, in just a second. Reese and Mary Kay are in the uh, Nordics right now. I'm not sure which particular country they're in today, but, you know, this time of the year they go there, they travel, they meet with uh, the brothers and sisters in the various churches there. Uh, in the Nordics, and so that's where they are today. They are coming back this week, and uh, so you'll see uh, Reese next Sunday. And I think next Sunday we have a regional service, so we're all together again. I, I, I feel the way you do, the three or four of you. I like being together. <laughs> Amen. John chapter 9, verse 1. As Jesus went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? You know, by the way, that's like the wind blowing on my microphone. It's like, I got like right here. It's kind of cool. I'll, I'll move it over just a tad. Oh, is that what that, it's that fan lost my whole train of thinking. Hey, you know, as I've gotten older, um, it amazes me how little I know. Can anyone relate to that? I knew everything when I was a teenager. Man, I just, I was sure of it. But as I've gotten older, I just think, wow, you just know so little. 
Even the things that you thought you knew, you don't know. I was reading a, an article in the, the Harvard Business Review, and uh, it was an article called um, The Power of Asking the Right Questions. And it's also a podcast and, um, you know, highly, highly recommended. Plato said the unexamined life is not worth living. And I actually think, like, the quality of my life, the quality of your life, is directly proportionate to the quality of the questions you ask yourself. Should I say that again? I think that the quality of your life, the quality of my life, is directly proportionate, right? Directly proportionate to the quality of the questions that we ask ourselves and others. When my wife was studying the Bible a few years ago, we've been disciples now, 31 plus years. She did something I just thought was brilliant. I'd never heard of anybody doing it before, and it wasn't something suggested to her, but she was really stuck in her, in her Bible studies. In fact, I had already gotten baptized. We were not married at the time. We had, in fact, broken up. We, we were dating, and then uh, we broke up for a period of time. And she... Uh, and, and some of you who are either, maybe you're studying the Bible now, or maybe you've been around the church for a long time, and, and you see other people doing things or saying things, or maybe you're a disciple and you remember back when you were studying the Bible, and, and so you can relate to this, but she was studying the Bible and it just, she wasn't getting it, you know, like it wasn't getting in her heart. And so much so that the other women that were studying the Bible with her said, you know what, I don't really think we can help you. And that a little concerning, <laughs> like, wow, if Connie were telling the story, she would say, you know, she thought of herself like, I, I can't be helped, are, are you kidding? And so she did something, uh, again, totally on her own, no one suggested it, and maybe you've heard this before, uh, if you did, just, just go with me, okay? Like, stay interested for me, can you? She said, you know what I'm going to do, I'm going to read through the Bible, and I am going to read every, everything that Jesus said, every question that Jesus asked, I'm going to pretend He is asking me directly those questions from the book of John. Has anybody ever done that? Anybody ever looked at that? It is remarkable. Like the first question Jesus asks in the book of John is, what do you want? The first question, out of the gate, what do you want? Do you know what the second question in the book of John is? Woman, why do you involve me? Second question. Over a period of a couple weeks of her doing that, it changed her life. She became a Christian, we got married. It changed her life. The quality of the questions you ask yourself sincerely can change your life. Why is my boss such a jerk to me? 
probably not a good question. How can I improve my relationship with my boss? Better question. Or should I move on from this job? Who's doing that? Jim, that's you? You not know how to work that thing or something? <laughs> Marlon, help him turn that thing off, would you? For the teens, graduation's coming up. Exciting, right? Senioritis is in full swing, right? You're not doing nothing, are you, Albert? Never. Don't say that. I know better. Sometimes you, you, you're, you're, you're graduating high school, perhaps, and you think, you know, hopefully you've thought of it about this when you're a junior or maybe a sophomore, but you may ask yourself a question like, what college should I go to? I don't know. Is that a good question to ask? I mean, it may not be a good question if your parents want you to go to USC and you're debating between UCLA and USC, although you'd never do that, of course, right? Do you know 40% of college graduates are in jobs that don't require a degree at all? Do you know that 73% of all college graduates work outside their field of study? 73%. Now, am I saying our parents are starting to hate on me a little? Just relax, relax. Am I saying you shouldn't go to college? No. But I'm saying that maybe asking the question of which college you should go to is not the right question when you have a 73% chance that you're not going to be working in your field if you choose the wrong field to study in college. Do you get where I'm going here? The quality of the questions that you ask. So let's read this question again, and then let me get some feedback from you guys. As he went along, Jesus saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Is that a good question or not? No. I would agree with you. In the, 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 the chapter that we're going to read as best we can in the time allowing. There are four types of questions that are asked. How many types? Four types of questions. I'm going to do my best to go over each of these with you and tell as few stories as possible so that we can cover them all. Because the quality of your life is directly proportionate to what? The quality of the questions that you will ask of yourself or others. This is the first question, the first kind of question. I call it the judgmental question. The judgmental question. Why is it a judgmental question? Well, in verse 3, Jesus says, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in his life. So the disciples see this situation that is clearly a bad situation. A man blind from birth, begging. 
And they immediately think, because they have preconceived ideas about the situation, they think, who screwed up here? Who sinned that would cause such a bad thing to happen, that would cause God to do this to somebody? Oftentimes, that's the way religious people think. And these were his disciples, Jesus' disciples. I think there's a temptation for religious people. And you know what? I'm just going to include us in that since we are at church on a Sunday, right? We can be that way. And I think there's a temptation for religious people to be judgmental of others. Bad situation that they may find themselves in. Now look, we know there are scriptures in the Bible, right? Galatians 6 says, hey, don't be fooled. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. I get that. We can make bad decisions and leave ourselves in bad situations. But you know, sometimes we're judgmental of others, and get this, sometimes we're even judgmental of ourselves and overly critical of ourselves to the point where, guess what? We're not doing anybody any good by the questions we're asking or the things that we're saying. Questions like, why is this happening to me? Why didn't I know better to avoid this? Or worse, why didn't my parents help me out more than they have? That's a good one, right? As a parent, that's one I don't want to hear. One of my kids is here this morning, so that's good. At least I know one won't say that. I hope. The guy born blind got dealt a bad hand. There's no question about it, right? I mean, that's a bad hand. People, we, you know, how we're brought up, the station of life that we're in, our socioeconomic status, the way we were raised, the difficulties, the pains that we went through. Sometimes some people draw a really good hand and sometimes people draw a really bad hand. And you know what? Jesus says to think that it's anybody's sin that caused that is the wrong way to think. Let me tell you the right way to think. This happened so God can do something great in that person's life. And that's what he tells his disciples. He didn't necessarily correct their question, but he did correct their question by giving them an answer that I think they weren't quite expecting. So when we think about our own situation... And we're tempted to, like, play the victim, even for a moment. And I know, I know, we, we face a lot of difficulties and pain. And we want to go, like, let me just, you know, let me just have a pity party for a little while. Okay, you get one for a little while, but then you got to start asking the right questions. Amen? It's time to come out of it. Let's not look for a scapegoat. Let's not be judgmental of others and their bad situation. Let's just think instead, you know what? What an opportunity for God to work in somebody's life. Our life or somebody else's. That's the first kind of question. I call it the judgmental question. Number two. Let's start reading in verse 6 and we'll read through verse 12. After saying this, Jesus spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him. Wash in the pool of Siloam. This word meant sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors 
And those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, Nah, it only looks like him. But he himself insisted, No, I'm the man. How then were your eyes open? They asked. He replied, The man they called Jesus made some mud, put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. Where is this man? They asked. I don't know, he said. The second kind of question is the incomplete question. The incomplete question. First of all, why did Jesus spit on the ground and make mud? Does anybody know that? Can anybody help me with that? It's a little gross. I mean, you can say it. It's okay. You can think it. You're not going to go to hell. It is. If you come up here and spit on the ground, I'm going to be like, don't do that. Maybe Jesus was thinking, you know, I need to make this look hard. Right? Because <laughs> couldn't he go, hey, gotcha. <laughs> you can see. All right, whatever. I don't know. These, uh, these neighbors, first of all, I don't even know if they know this guy's name, right? Because they don't say, Joe, how'd you, how are you seeing now? No, they go, hey, isn't that the blind guy? And so they ask, how then were your eyes opened? He tells them the story. They say, well, okay. This Jesus, where is he? And he says, well, I don't know. And it ends right there. They go, huh, well, okay. All right, hey, got to get going now. Game of Thrones is on tonight, so I got to watch the episode. Glad you're able to see again. See you later. It ends. Have you ever done that? You know what I mean? Where like you see... You see God doing something in your life, or you see something really intriguing, and you start going down that path, and then that path gets a little more complicated. Well, where is he? Well, I don't know. Well, wouldn't you think if you were really interested, you might say, hey, let's go try to find him. I mean, he just did this incredible thing. Let's find this guy. But no, these people were busy, and they had better things to do. So it was incomplete. I think we can do this sometimes when it comes to things in our life. You know, we start going down the path, and I don't care what the path is. The path can be some career development, right? Uh, A couple of weeks ago, we did that, Chris Nakaishi did that thing right here at the building. You guys know that? It was a, what was it called, Tom? It was a career development thing. I don't know what it was called. Career workshop, thank you. There were about 50 people that showed up. Great! But there are like six or 700 people, and I think there's probably more than the 50 that like, needed some help with their careers and with their goals and dreams and ambitions. That's just me, but I think that's the case. So why didn't more people show up? And I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I don't care if you go or don't go. But I think it's this reason. I think it's, 
It's like, oh, that's interesting. Oh, I would like to know more. Oh, shoot, I got lunch. Right? It's incomplete. Because as soon as the journey starts becoming a little bit like, oh, it's a little winding here. It's not like all laid out on a platter. Now, if it was on demand and I could go ahead and click a button, I might watch a little bit of it until it got boring. I think we can fall into this incomplete questioning. And so sometimes we find ourselves way down the road in our lives, and we're like, how did I get here? Oh yeah, I didn't really invest any time in asking myself the right questions and finding the right answers. Hmm. Bummer. Okay, let's move on. Third kind of question. I didn't know what to call this question. By the way, this is just like, this was a really good Bible study for me personally. I hope you get something out of it. I would, we're going through it really fast. I, if it's interesting to you, I'd suggest you go back through it because it's like really intriguing stuff the more you look into yourself. Make sense? All right. Verse 13. I call this the proving question. The proving question. It can also be the disproving question, depending on which angle you're looking at. Verse 13, they brought to the Pharisees the man who had been born blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Did Jesus only do miracles on the Sabbath? you ever wonder that yourself? Therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. That's an interesting line right there. Therefore the Pharisees asked him. Because it was on the Sabbath, the Pharisees asked. Not because it was an outstanding miracle. Not because it was like amazing. Something had happened that had never happened before. But because it was on the Sabbath, they asked the question. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed, and now I see. This must have been the 30th time he told the story. And you'll see that in a minute because he gets tired of telling the story. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, well, how can a sinner perform such signs? That's a better question. So they were divided. Then they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, he's a prophet. They still did not believe that the man had been blind and had received sight. So they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son, they asked. Is this the one you say was born blind? I love that, right? You say he was born blind. How is it that he can now see? Uh, Well, we know he's our son, the parents answered. And we know he was born blind. But how he can see now or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He is of age, he'll speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who already had decided, three really powerful words, already had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. That was why his parents said he's of age, ask him. A second time they summoned the man who had been born blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. 
Then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He's a little fed up with telling the story, so he says, I told you already, and you did not, you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Hint of sarcasm there, right? Love the sarcasm. Then they hurled insults at him. And they said, you're this fellow's disciple. We're disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses. But as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Wow. Is that good stuff or what? I love the Bible. The proving question. Why would I call it the proving question? Because they were asking questions to prove the thesis they had already decided on. Which was, Jesus is a sinner, Jesus is not from God, Jesus did not really do this miracle. So they're asking questions not to find the answer, not to find the truth. They did not suspend their disbelief for a moment. Instead, they asked questions to prove their own thesis. Look at the things that they said in verse 16. We know he is not from God. Verse, man, I can't see as well in this light. My eyes certainly are as good as they've always been, but it's this light. I think it's verse 18. Uh, they still did not believe, it says. Verse 22, they had already decided. Verse 24, we know he is a sinner. Right? Just in a few short passages... These guys make it clear, this is what we believe about it, and so we're going to ask you some questions, but the truth of the matter is, we are not leaving this place of belief. Have you ever been there? You ever known people to be there? Hey, I can remember at times in my Bible studies, early on when I was studying the Bible, there were things that I was willing to talk about when it came to my life, and there were things I was not going to talk about. Man, I, I respected Angie sharing during communion today, didn't you guys? Like, it's hard for people to talk about their stuff like that. That's stuff that you don't talk about to anybody, let alone in front of a whole group of people. That's the proving question. There's so much more I could share, but you know, I got two minutes left. So when you try to share four things in 30 minutes, that's what happens. You get that? Yeah. The last question. This is the good question. I call it the seeking question. The seeking question. In verse 35, Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? I like that part about they heard that he threw him out. So Jesus was like, all right, I, I, think, I think this is a good one. Let's go find him, right? Do you believe in the Son of Man? The honest, seeking question, Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe. Jesus said, You have now seen him, 
Isn't that interesting? He'd never seen anything before. You have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. I'll end with this. Um, Yesterday, I had the honor to watch a sister get baptized down at the ocean. Elaine Alvarez, do you guys know the Alvarez's, Dave and Elaine? They're in the uh, San Gabriel group. David uh, works with me at my company and has for a couple years now. Uh, Great, great guy. And Elaine uh, has taken a lot longer because at, at various times she was asking questions, but they were the, the questions that weren't completely seeking questions. And just a few short weeks ago, it was so cool to see like a massive change within her heart take place. You guys know what I'm talking about? You've seen your own heart change. You've seen other people's hearts change. When for the first time they start looking at the Bible and asking questions that you know are like directly related to an internal change. She got baptized yesterday at the ocean, you know, united with her husband in Christ. Tears, singing, joy, a lot of confusion by beachgoers. I always love that part too. People are like, what the heck is happening? Like, yeah, this is cool, right? The seeking question. Anyway, a study for you today, something to think about. I think at different times in our life, we're all at one at the, of these places or another. And I think where we really want to get to on a regular basis is we want to get to be this last person in every area of a life. We want to kind of suspend the preconceived ideas that we have because we all have them. And sometimes we have them because we've been around church for a long time. And we want to put that aside for just a moment and ask like really honest questions about ourselves, about our life, about our relationships, about our career, and yes, about our spirituality. And for just a moment, suspend all that stuff we think we know and just say, okay, what's the truth about this? Amen? Let's be honest seekers. Let's have a prayer and then we'll have a great day, this beautiful Southern California day. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thanks so much for your word. Thanks for just uh, the beauty of your word, the, the challenge that's in your word, the truth that's in your word. Whenever I look at it like this, it just astounds me, the, the cast of characters that they are. They're so much like us. Father, help us to be the kind of questioners that ask the honest, seeking question so that we can see real transformation in our lives. We all want to please you, Lord. We want to do what's right. We want to lead lives that make a difference. And Father, because of that and because of your love for us, help us to ask the right questions and get the right answers. We love you, Lord, and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great day. Oh, is there...